You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the, the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know, that crap like that. You know, all this stuff that's contaminated America where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring Little League anymore. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Brett. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I once again, disappointed. Believe me, I'm just as disappointed as you guys. Flying solo. The Tennessee Hober. I just passed along the information he gives me. He said he'd be back on. The excuse this time, not even working. He's just busy at the moment. So, but, you know, I just, I kid. I give uh, Cousin Shane a hard time. It's the off season. He deserves a break. But, you know, the news never stops in the SEC. Had a couple quarterback updates. Quarterback challenge. I want to do... Hop on the pod here. We got updates from Tennessee, Texas A&M, South Carolina, and Kentucky. But before we go around the league, this little clip I thought was fantastic from Eli Drinkowitz, recently on Sirius XM, talking about the season opener of last season, facing Alabama, first game as Missouri's coach. He came up with the game plan, make Devonta Smith beat us. As crazy as that sounds, that was Coach's game plan. Let's kick it over to him. Week one, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And, Heard of you know, go, going into that game, we didn't really think that they were going to have potentially the best player at their position on every side of the ball, on offense, <laughs> on every side of the ball. Like, you could argue Mac Jones was the best quarterback in college football. Sure. You could ar- argue Najee Harris was the best running back in college football. You could argue that Landon Dickus- Dick- Dickinson – and or Dickerson and yeah. uh, Leatherwood are the best tackle center in college football. So, you know, my great uh, mind, I was like, hey, look, guys, Jalen Waddles, what makes him go? All right. So we got to double Jalen and let Devontae Smith. Eat, okay. <laughs> if we're, you know, he's kind of a nice piece out there, but man, we have got to take Jalen Waddle away. And uh, let me just tell you, we were ineffective at doing both of those. But at the end of the year, I'm sitting there watching Devontae Smith win the Heisman Trophy thinking, you know, in my mind, we were going to force the ball to that guy. 
that's how much I thought of Jalen Waddle, and uh, both of them were tremendous players. So uh, that's you know that's the outstanding defensive contribution I had for the season. All right, so hey, credit to old Eli here for poking fun at himself, and I gotta be. Completely honest. I mean, this would have been my game plan, too. You know, if you're a longtime listener, you know that, uh, you know, I thought Jalen Waddle was the better receiver of the two. Clearly wrong. And I thought Alabama's offense would take a step back without Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. Wrong again. <laughs> so I would have been right there with them. I got to own up to that, at least. But I just thought that was a great little comment there from Coach and... That was his welcome to the SEC moment, man. And the guy they tried to stop, Jalen Waddle, he had a 134 yards receiving, two touchdowns. They didn't even stop him. So tough day for the Missouri Tigers, but uh, the rest of the season, way more competitive. But just wanted to throw that little clip at you. I thought you guys would appreciate it. But for now, let's kick it around the league. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the My, my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So, uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think – I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should – we should mix those games up and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you – start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us and we'll play them. We'll play anybody you can get to play us. In Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, first time we're talking Tennessee in a while here and wouldn't you know it, the big news here, Caden Salter, the freshman quarterback, the savior, Suspended, not even practicing with the team. So he was involved in that shenanigans that uh, got a couple players suspended there at Tennessee a couple weeks ago. If you missed that, I want to say two weeks ago maybe, Isaac Washington, freshman lineman, Aaron Willis, the highest rated signee in the most recent class linebacker, and then redshirt freshman linebacker slash lineman, Martavius French, all had some kind of incident you know, knock Tennessee dorm room. They were all suspended. And I guess the, you know, the real news here, Caden Salter, he was not announced at that time because he's a minor. So his name was not in the police report. So that's why that's just coming to light now. But, you know, not the, at the end of the day, it doesn't sound like, uh, you know, he's not going to be dismissed or anything. So just a bad start. <laughs> Probably scratch off Salter as any chance to win the starting job if he's out for a long period of time. So that's something to monitor. And uh, before we jump to Josh Heupel's comments on all that, Tennessee also released, well, no, let's just, let's just kick it over to, to Coach Heupel there talking about the, the decision to suspend Caden Salter. Hey, Josh, Blake Talmeyer with the Knoxville News Sentinel. Uh, did Caden Salter practice today? Uh, Caden uh, is not on practice field today. Uh, why is he not practicing? Caden's uh, 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 part of a group of, of individuals that uh, are suspended from team activities uh, at this point. Is there any timeline for those guys to, to return to practice? 
there isn't um, that's being handled uh, on campus and, and as we receive information we'll act accordingly um, you know there's high expectations high standards uh, to represent uh, Tennessee football and, and uh, at the same time we're going to stay uh, true to those kids and support them as they go through this process and as we gain information uh, we'll be able to share that all right, so, hey, if you're looking for any kind of silver lining, at least you know Hypo's not going to put up with any shit, even if it comes from uh, touted freshmen. And, and who knows? I mean, this may be nothing. Could be back on the practice squad before you know it. But, uh, you know, a couple key linebackers, too, defense, defensive players. Those are That's a critical position for Tennessee, particularly linebackers. So, you know, at, at least he's setting an example here that, uh, you know, there's certain things that he's not going to be putting up with. So, at the end of the day, maybe it's a, this is a positive for Tennessee. But what's not a positive, the Volunteers released their first spring roster. Missing from the list, Henry Toa Toa, Kavaris Crouch. No real surprise, both linebackers in the transfer portal. Very ambiguous whether those guys are even giving Tennessee a real shot. I know there was some hope that uh, Henry Toa Toa may be returning. Apparently returned to campus at some point, but not with the football team. And my understanding of that whole deal, he's waiting for the NCAA to make the announcement that uh, all transfers, underclassmen transfers will be eligible if they decide to leave. And once that happens, he'll probably make his decision to to pick his college of choice. But I don't think there's much chance he's returning to Tennessee, Crouch, I know he he was there for a little while, but he obviously is not now. So not looking too good, but uh, leaving the door open for those guys, Tennessee is, and they should. One other thing that caught my attention here at the roster release, you know, there was a couple opt-outs last season. Sean Schamberger, D'Angelo Gibbs, Ramel Keaton. The only one listed on the roster now is Ramel Keaton. So I kind of assumed all three of those guys weren't returning, but it looks like Keaton, at least for the time being, is going to give it a go under Josh Heupel. So, you know, Tennessee needs that receiving core to be a strength of this team and this offense because how fast they go, this is not going to be an offense where four or five receivers is going to cut it. They're going to need 10 to 12 guys because they'll probably rotate them per drive. So that's potentially good news. I thought Ramel Keaton did not have a good sophomore season last year. He was a real disappointment, but strong towards the tail end of the of his freshman season, maybe set the expectations a little too high going into year two. But I, I certainly think he's a serviceable player, and maybe he can turn it around under Coach Heupel. And that's one thing that uh, Coach talked about during his first presser. So we heard his comments there about Salter and, and suspending guys. He also talked about the fact that they're going through this spring, part of the process, getting the buy-in from his new players, the players he inherited, that came to Tennessee to play for Coach Pruitt. Now they're playing for him, so he's got to get the buy-in from a lot of guys like that. And if you're wondering why did Tennessee start spring football so late, there was actually a strategy to it. So Heupel says he wanted to get the guys a little bit more familiar with the playbook, specifically the quarterbacks. Heated quarterback competition here. Only one day in, so nothing to really learn from what happened out on the practice field, but we know... The names that are in that battle, Hendon Hooker, the transfer from Virginia Tech, Harrison Bailey, sophomore, Brian Maurer, what is he, a junior now? And then was assuming Caden Salter, but for the time being, he's got to get unsuspended before he's a factor in this competition. But let's kick it over 
to Josh Heupel one more time. Quarterback position, but what have you, what have been your impression of those guys, not only today, but even going back and watching them and, and interacting with them? And, and how do you as a staff go about getting all those guys uh, enough reps to where you feel like they get an equal shot? I think for everybody inside of our program, it's, it's part of it is what you do, right? And, and we, you know, we pushed back the start of spring ball a little bit to make sure that they got some of our installs, got a little bit of comfort with our terminology, terminology our verbiage, and, and how you need to communicate in, in all three phases uh, to, to give yourself an opportunity to learn how to play the way that we need to play with great effort and technique and, and play, you know, from, from snap to the echo of the whistle. That was big emphasis today. And just we use the code word attack. Uh, that's a big part of, of who we are inside of our building. I thought our guys did that at the quarterback position in particular. I thought they handled the temple portion of some of our team sets extremely well, handled the communication piece of it, uh, played within themselves. Uh, they made some mistakes out there too, but they did a, a lot of really positive things too. And, and uh, the thing that we've challenged our guys is don't make the same mistake twice. You know, be coachable, accept the coaching in a positive way, learn from it, grow from it, change uh, from one rep to the next. And, and as we called the team up today, that was just one of the points of emphasis that I made to them that I saw guys being really accepting of coaching, uh, challenging themselves to get better from one rep to the next in, in a really positive way. I thought there was a ton of positive energy out there between players and coaches. The buy-in aspect, you talk about the buy-in and, and right now they're not with you. How do you just kind of balance all that? And I think your program is always about who's inside of your building, who's inside of your locker room. It's never about who's not here. I don't care if it's recruiting or, or guys that uh, end up leaving your program. It's about the guys that are here. We got a, got a group of individuals that uh, wanted accountability, wanted connection, uh, want to become a football team. Uh, we're on a, a long journey. This is and this is a journey, right? Uh, of uh, where we want to go. Uh, we're on that long journey right now. Our guys are are competing and trying extremely hard to meet the expectations. Uh, they love one another. Uh, we're starting to be connected as a football team. That gives us a chance to, to move forward. Um, we welcome anybody uh, back that, that wants to be a part of that. Uh, at the same time, it's about the guys that are inside the room always and forever. All right, so I gave uh, Shane Beamer credit for kicking back South Carolina's spring camp. Got to do the same for Coach Heupel. I think this is going to be a wise move. He puts a lot on the quarterback. Doesn't necessarily mean that uh, this is a super sophisticated offense necessarily. It's not one of these like a Jim Chaney where you're you're going into year two, year three, and you're hoping the quarterback's got it mastered. It's not that necessarily, but just got a lot of responsibilities at the line of scrimmage. And I think there's several options quarterbacks can go with at the line of scrimmage just by reading the defense and what they're trying to do. So really got to have a good understanding of what this offense is to execute it at the highest level, I, you know, you can kind of say that just about every offense, but something to consider there. So smart move, I think, by Heupel, and we'll see how this thing progresses as camp goes on. All right, next, finally, jumping on damn to College Station. Been a while since we've talked some Texas A&M football, and the Aggies hoping to capitalize off last season's nine-win record they were the first team out in the college football playoff. Should have been in the college football playoff. But now, I don't want to call it a rebuild because this is a hell of a talented roster. But obviously, quarterback competition down here. Quarterback We'll get to that in a moment. But Zach Calzada, Eli Stowers, the freshman. So heated competition going on down here in Aggie land. And on top of that, losing four or five offensive linemen. And we need some 
players to emerge at the receiver position. So, you know, those are the uh, critical unknowns at this point, but the rest of the team should be outstanding. Maybe the best defense in the SEC is going to be the 12th man down there. Probably get back to uh, to the wrecking crew down there in College Station. But of all the uh, issues, if you want to call it that, that uh, have to be resolved there on the offense, one that certainly isn't going to be an issue is the running back room. Isaiah Spiller, one of the best in the SEC. Aeneas Smith, he may split a lot more time at receiver this year, but I still think you utilize him in the backfield as much as you can. I've heard you know, people talk, maybe he should be only a receiver, but I think that's kind of stupid. You want to be able to challenge defenses. You don't want them to dictate pre-snap where this guy's going to be. You can line him up all over the field. You know, Al, like he's kind of reminds me of an Alvin Kamara. Why pigeonhole a guy like that? You could when you can put him all over the field at any time. So, and then it's compounded because they got the young guy emerging, Devon Archer. I mean, he really started to come on towards the tail end of the season too. So, loaded backfield. Of course, maybe the best tight end in the SEC, Jalen Watermeyer. But uh, old Jimbo announced first presser of the spring. Watermeyer's out for the spring. Cut his finger in some kind of off-field accident. Didn't really give much more information than that, but it says he'll be fine. But he's just going to have to be out for the time being. And Demond Demas, touted freshman last season, didn't really, never really, uh, you know, the light never clicked for him. Now he's going into his second year. He was arrested recently, so he's suspended. So we're going to need some guys to uh, emerge at that receiver position. But all eyes are going to be on these quarterbacks. So let's kick it over to Jibbo, talking the quarterback competition. And Devon Ache, track speed guy, he's on the track and field team there at A&M. So he's kind of pulling a little double duty. Uh, let's kick it over to Jimbo. Hey, Coach, when you go into an off-season spring ball with a quarterback competition at hand, is there a guy that, in the back of your mind, you want to take the reins and, and grab the position? Or is it is it truly an open situation between however many guys are competing? It's an open competition. I, I've learned not to do that over time. I mean, I really have. I mean, because like I say, what you think and what – just let things play out. Let things happen. And in and, and your act, you know, your actions speak so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. What you do, how you do it, and gives each guy a fair chance to do it. And – how guys respond because football is a game. I always say this at quarterback. One of the things we don't talk about how, well, he can throw it. He can run it. He can think he can make decisions. Well, how does he get all 11 guys to, to act around him? I always say this about Tom Brady to me, the greatest attribute he has is his team, his team camaraderie that he, how he fits 11 guys and makes them want to play and do things. It's not only about what it's example he sets. And I think that's a big part of that. It's underrated. The unselfishness of those guys and the ability for them to get guys to rally around them, not only offensively, but defensively, all that matters. How your team plays is how he looks at that quarterback. And there's a lot of things that go in that. And, you know, guys change, guys grow. What I saw last fall, may not be what I see in the spring. And what I see in the spring, may not be see what I see in the fall. Guys develop and change. And I think that's the exciting thing about young guys like this. So there's no set pattern or no set. You'll, you'll be reps. We're all going to get the same amount of reps. And we're going to see, you know, who can lead, who we think takes snaps can give our team the best chance to win. Hi, Coach. I kind of wanted to follow up on what Mike Lucas asked you. And just, you know, earlier you kind of told us that King was really doing well with picking up the offense. I was wondering if you could just touch on how King, Stowers, and Calzada are doing with meshing with this offense? You know something? I mean, I could say uh, in the meetings right now, I think all three guys, I mean, Haynes, like I said, from the day he got here, he's done it. Zach has really focused himself, a very talented guy who 
the calls now, the things he does, the questions he asks, the meetings, the walkthroughs. I, I think he has it now. I really do. Haynes does. And I'm Eli Styers has been amazing how quick he's picked it up. He was like, he was like Haynes when he walked in. I mean, and he's a guy you tell him something, you give him something once, he seems to he keeps it right in there and understands it and has a very not just memorizes it, but understands it. I think from an intelligence standpoint, learning standpoint, I think all three of those guys, I'm extremely pleased of knowledge of what to do, not only pass game, but run game and also protections. And the things you do and how you, you know, understanding where you're, you know, how, where you're protected at, where you're not protected at and how to adjust those things. And uh, I've, I've been, and I guess it's not cliche talk, just trying to talk good about all three guys. I think all three guys have done an outstanding job in that regard. And, and here I'll say this, until you do that, you never know how good a player really is because his physical skills can never be shown until his mental skills of learning and comprehending are truly, you know it to where, it's become second nature and your physical skills can take over of how to play the game. And I think that's what I'm anxious to see in the spring. I'm really anxious to see these guys compete in the spring. I wanted to follow up on a chain. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you, after seeing what we, he did in the bowl game and, and his progress in his freshman season, what do you think the ceiling is for him? Uh, I depend on what he wants. Ceiling ain't what I think is what it's what they think and what they see themselves is and how much time and how prioritized it is. Now he's a very proud. He's a hardworking young man saying all that very quiet. He doesn't say two words to yes, sir. No, sir. Does his job hustles. I mean, I think he can be an excellent player. I really do. I think he got a chance to be an excellent player in a lot of different ways. And like I say, we're just scratching the surface of things he can do in my opinion, but you know, the thing that, that makes him unique, I, I, I truly believe this. I truly believe he's a football player who runs track. I don't think he's a track guy who plays football and he has a natural ability to play the game of football. And when you watch, his, I mean, a lot of guys that are really, really fast have a tendency to do everything fast. He doesn't. He's under control. He has a good pace to himself. He understands he's a natural runner, and he applies it when he has to. And he's very strong. He's much stronger than you give him credit for and how he runs if you really watch those runs and things he does and catches the ball well. I mean, another thing he did, man, that sucker block you. You think, I mean, that guy put his nose on you now. He'll put it right in the middle of you. I, I tell you what. We got, we got two five four guys, him and Anais, that'll block the heck out of you. I tease them all the time. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, two little guys like he said, well, them guys can't – you go watch them pass block. You go watch them hit. We got guys like that, and that's one of the things that really impressed me about the chain. Not only his patience of running, but his ability to be a blocker and a pass blocker, not even when he's going out, was very, very impressive. Clearly on this show, I've uh, praised Dan Mullen for his ability to coach up the quarterback position. You got to say the same thing about Jimbo. I mean, he's done it. For a long, long time, coaching up these guys, the quarterback position, going all the way back to his days at LSU and, hell, even Auburn, you could say. So, I mean, we're talking 20-some-odd years here. It's a long track record of coaching up this position. And I like what he's saying here, comparing, you know, the leadership, the buy-in that Tom Brady gets. Of course, that's what you want. The greatest quarterback of all time. That's who you're going to model your game after. And I think Jimbo's on to something here. So the only problem with that on my end, (laughs) it's not going to be a problem for the Aggies, but it's going to be a problem for me and people trying to predict this. We can see practice footage. We can watch a spring game, but it's going to be tough for us to figure out which one of these quarterbacks is rallying the team, leading the team and stuff like that. So uh, I think this is going to be one of those kind of what you know Jimbo didn't say this but a lot of times the team the team knows who the quarterback is and it's you know you got to name one eventually but maybe Jimbo relies a little bit on the leadership especially this uh you know the veterans on the defensive side of the ball to kind of figure out who should be the quarterback I think it'll probably be Hayes King 
I've been saying that for a while, but like Jimbo says, it's very unwise to go into a situation like this with the, any preconceived notions. So who knows who it's going to be. It's anyone's ball game, even the true freshman. I think uh, Jimbo's wise enough not to pigeonhole himself and say a freshman can't play. I know it was a little bit different, but Jameis Winston, when he played for Jimbo, he was a redshirt freshman, but he won the Heisman Trophy his, his first year on the field. So I wouldn't certainly put it against Jimbo to play a young player under center either if uh, Stowers can come in here and, and show that he's earned that. All right, one final thing. I just love this comment here. Dan Mullen not mentioned, but clearly that's who we're talking about here. On Kyle Field being a rowdy-ass place with uh, 20 25% capacity, Jimbo's ready to get that sucker 100% filled. A lot more things are getting back to normal, you know, on the school front and things like that. Oh. So, remember some opposing coaches talked about how loud Kyle Field was, even at 25,000 or what have you. Oh, wait till they get it full. That's. I was going to ask you how much you're looking forward to the spring game, to having fans back. And I know it's still going to be limited, but the fact that it is somewhat returning to normal in that front. Well, I'm anxious to say, because didn't something come out today say we set the limits or whatever? You can set your own limits or something. Did that come out today? Am I, am I off or am I on on that? I thought I read that. But, hey, the more the merrier. I'd be, be glad to have everybody back, see everybody, let them come see the guys. And the guys really appreciate them being there and the support they have. And I think, you know, it's one of the great experiences of being here at Kyle Field to have the support you have. And uh, I'm, I'm anxious to get them all back. Ooh, I feel bad <laughs> for whoever's got a rocky in the Kyle Field this year after those comments. And, you know, the Aggies got one of the best – home field advantages in all of college football. And that thing's going to be rocking come September 4th when old Kent State comes to town and gets blasted. So <laughs> that's something for us to look forward to. All right, let's skip it all day to Columbia. Where old Shane Beamer met with the media here on Thursday. And once again, we got a quarterback challenge. Quarterback oh. challenge. But do we really? I don't know. I don't know. Based on these comments, I don't think it's much of a competition as much as they're building it out to be. Luke Doty, Jason Brown, and Jason Brown is, of course, the uh, incoming transfer from St. Francis, which was a, is a FCS program. Now, he lit it up for uh, St. Francis, but we're, we're playing a different ball game here, and he is eligible immediately. So if he earns it, he'll have it. But I don't know. Based on what uh, Beamer had to say here, I think, and remember going back, I know it was a different coaching staff and South Carolina fans hate Mike Bobo, but remember when Doty got in there, I mean, hell, didn't they, they changed it. They had, I think it was Thursday was Luke Doty day. <laughs> they wanted that high energy. They wanted that enthusiasm. He seems like a natural leader. So I think it's going to take a lot for Luke Doty to be overcome in this quarterback competition. And that's kind of the sense I get from listening to Shane Beamer here on Thursday. Let's kick it over to the South Carolina coach. Yeah, Shane, Curious about the quarterback competition. Just I know it's limited reps right now and, and limited sample size, but how has that gone so far through three practices? It's good, and, and you're right. It is limited, and um, you know, watching everything, evaluating everything, one on ones with the receivers and defensive backs, and seven on seven, and all the team periods that we do, and uh, did a little two minute situation in practice uh, today <clears throat> as well. So trying to evaluate everything, and and uh, all those guys are doing a great job right now. It's still. You know, their heads are swimming because we're installing a new offense and, and they're thinking a lot and, and 
trying to learn, but they've all they've all flashed, and, and all four of those guys are are doing a good job, and excited to see how they continue to progress along with all the other positions over these remaining twelve practices. And, and how has Jason handled the transition from coming in from a, a I think it's an FCS school, and then trying to get caught up? He's been good. Yeah, he's it's important to him. I mean, he's up here. Uh, all the time, it seems like I, I see him in the meeting rooms, just uh, working and studying on his own. And and uh, you know, I think he's done he's done a nice job of of getting in there and learning. And he and EJ have uh, pushed each other and uh, coming in here together. They're, obviously, they're extremely close and working with each other and pushing each other. And he's done a good job. I think the biggest thing with him is the fact that they you know didn't have a season last season, and then their season this spring at St. Francis was uh, uh, they're not going to play. So the biggest thing with him was just getting in shape. Uh, physically and attacking the weight room after being off kind of for that long. Uh, it's probably more of a physical adjustment uh, for him, but he's in there working to try and get everything up to speed mentally and uh, working to get better as a quarterback each and every day. What have you seen from Luke Doty so far these first few practices? And, and can you guys get a sense of how he's sort of developed over the last year since he's, you know, older and, and more into college and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, no, I've been impressed with him. He's he's trying to lead. He's doing a great job every time he takes the field of being a leader and and the mentality and, and understanding the guys on offense are looking to him right now because he's the quarterback that's with that first group offense. And uh, he's doing a great job of that. And you forget he's a freshman and, and – is not an older guy because the way he carries himself and, and the respect he has on the team, uh, he, he it's like he's a senior, which is a testament to him. But uh, trying to clean up everything, he didn't really get a he didn't get a full season of being the starting quarterback last year, as you guys know, and and uh, he's still very young at the position. But a great leader, really good athlete, runs well, throws well. I've really been impressed with him and excited to continue to watch his progression throughout the spring. Couple of things, kind of following up on what you said about Luke Doty and, and first team reps, is is that just been a, a result of, of Jason having to miss some time, or or is is are things going to look different when when you guys get back to going on the field with with the uh, the quarterback reps? Uh, no, I mean I think primarily it's it's uh, you know we're competing every day, and and Luke started out that day. Our started out the first day is with the first group. He's the returning quarterback. He's the only one that's really got experience here, and, and that's kind of where we started. But every single position, we're create or we're creating competition. And I don't mean to say that Luke has taken every single rep with the first group. I mean we got four guys that are in there competing with Connor, Colton, Jason, and uh, and Luke. So all those guys are in there uh, working and getting reps. And and Sat Coach Sat's holding or handling that rotation and and who's going when with which group and and things like that as well. So all those guys will get opportunities if they earn you know that opportunity somebody's got to come and be better than Luke and and if nobody does then Luke will continue to get the reps you know with the first team it's certainly a competition but those other guys they got to make it a competition as well too all right so he mentions four guys there but though you know the only two names he's really saying Jason Brown and Luke Doty so plenty of time for the other quarterbacks to get involved here in the competition but like I've been saying I think I think Doty's going to be the the guy unless something happens to where you know, it, it would be a massive upset, I think, at this point if Luke Doty isn't the starting quarterback. Of course, a lot can change between now and then. And speaking of uh, St. Francis, E.J. Jenkins, the six foot four receiver they got from the FCS program, he's kicked it down to now tight end. So he was uh, Coach Beamer was asked about that. E.J. Jenkins playing tight end is that is that going to be his role? Is he going to be a receiver? What's going on there? And he was also asked about uh, some of the newcomers and returnees that the Gamecocks have 
how they're looking in spring camp. Let's kick it over to Coach one more time. Just looking at that wide receiver position, uh, that's a group that has to replace a lot of production. Uh, I mean, what have you seen from, has anyone impressed you so far? And, and is EJ Jenkins going to be working more there at tight end? Yeah, EJ's a guy that we're trying to figure out what where he best belongs. And, and with all of our guys, you know, uh, Nick Muse is a tight end, Jaheim Bell is a tight end, but you'll see them lined up all over. And that's what we want to have in this offense is just the flexibility to move guys around. And, um, and so EJ's a guy, he's a little bit of everywhere right now and being asked to do a lot. And, and we'll see, uh, we want to get our best guys on the field and be able to create matchups. And we certainly can do that with him. And, and I'd say all those receivers have really you know done some good things. I've really been excited about uh, Ortre and uh, some of the plays he's made over the last couple of days and the mentality that he's practicing and working with. And, and uh, Josh Van had a great catch the other day. Rico Powers, you know, made some nice plays in practice here over the, the, the last uh, few days. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of them. Um, um, you know, I don't want to go in there and name every single guy, but I think all those guys, they're working hard. And, and Coach Step is doing a great job coaching them and, and uh, instilling in them the way that we want them to play and, and their mindset. And uh, Jalen Brooks, you know, that, he's one that seems like every day it's just, he just works, man and just uh, continues to lead the way and uh, an impressive looking guy and the way that he's carrying himself and working. I'm excited about that group. All right, so EJ Jenkins, I mean, that's going to be a name to watch. Of course, the Gamecocks got Nick Muse, standout tight end. So, you know, I don't think EJ Jenkins is necessarily going to be a, a traditional tight end, a little bit on the slimmer side, but I like what they're doing here. You break out some 12 personnel and just be a really versatile player I mean, that could split out at any point based on the uh, the look the defense has given them. So this is what I like to see because while South Carolina, you know, the roster's not where they want it to be, that doesn't mean they're devoid of talent. They got talent all over the field. So put your players in the best position to make these plays. Let's not make any excuses here of not having this, not having that. Work with what we got. And it certainly sounds like they're getting creative already in Columbia. And I like to see that. All right, last stop here. Let's kick it all down to the bluegrass. Well, Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator, spoke recently about uh, the, the, the offseason transition to his system in Lexington and why everyone's getting excited. Who's going to be the quarterback? Bo Allen, Joey Gatewood, incoming transfer, Will Levis, who's not there yet. we got a long way to go before we determine that one, but... We'd be crazy to take the ball out of Chris Rodriguez's hands. And that's something that Liam Cohen talks about, whether that's out of the backfield traditional or throwing him the ball, what have you. Got to make it to where Chris Rodriguez is the focus of this offense. And they'd be kind of asinine to do anything else because he's such a good player. Let's kick it over to Kentucky's new offensive coordinator. Trying to find more balance. Uh, you're also taking carries away from guys that are used to getting, you know, 20, 25 carries and, and just trying to negotiate that. Yeah, I think right now, I mean, Chris Rodriguez needs to touch the ball as many times as possible, right? But I think it's my job and our job as an offensive staff to find different ways for him to touch the football as opposed to just turning around and giving him the ball. You know, that's the thing right now is just getting them touches, you know, without the football just getting handed off to them. That's something that's new is just being able to free release from the backfield and catch the football. But, I mean, I, it would be hard for me to say right now how many touches a game each guy would like to get. 
But I do know that Chris wants – we want to try to get Chris over 25 touches a game um, for sure. And whether that's 25 runs, six, you know, five catches, get smoke a couple touches and catches, Tiz and Jatan. I mean, it's going to be tough to get these kids all the ball. But I do believe um, that's a good problem to have. It's a good problem to have for us right now. And it's more so just right now they're working just running back techniques. I mean, the wide zone and tracks and all that stuff is so new to these guys that it's something that's building as we go every day, and they're doing a great job. But as we start to build the install, that's a good way for us to be able to get these kids some reps doing some different things. All right, so the, this makes all the sense in the world. And the fact that Kentucky now is opening it up, that doesn't mean you go strictly pass happy because you still you've only got you know a handful of reliable targets out there to throw the ball to. So throwing it 40, 50 t- times a game will be stupid, but what you can do with some of those players, you're able to force the, push the ball down the field. It's going to open things up for Chris Rodriguez. And, you know, if he's serious about uh, improving his NFL stock, he's got to prove that he can be a capable receiver out of the backfield. So that's probably something the coaching staff is pitching to him as well. Because NFL is not going to say, your pet balls, NFL, Shane would say. I can't think of any Jerome Bettises out there in the NFL these days, I mean, you have to be a versatile player, and I'm not saying Chris Rodriguez isn't that, but he's got to showcase that, a lot, I think, a little bit more heading into next season. So he's got something to prove in the passing game, and I think they're going to give him the opportunity to prove it this year in Lexington. Hey, one other thing from Cohen, I just thought this was great. He was asked about stats. Which, which stats, <laughs> which, which are the stats that he focuses on the most? Old Sean McVay taught him stats for losers. Hey, Liam, there's a, there's a lot of stats available in football now more than years ago. I was just kind of curious, what are some stats that you look at as a coach? Maybe others do too, but some stats that maybe aren't so deceiving that you look at when you're measuring an offense and, and you really t- take, I guess, a special notice of. You know, it's funny. It's uh, <laughs> I don't mean to quote Sean McVay. McVay always used to say we'd be on the planes after games and somebody would have the stat sheet out and looking at it, win or loss, and Sean would walk down the aisle and say, put that away, man, stats are for losers. Okay, and I'm not saying that, but I've just never been a big stat guy, I guess, if you will. <laughs> All right, how great was that? And uh, hey, one final thing on Kentucky. Man, we keep talking up this uh, Wondell Robinson, the Nebraska transfer. Well, don't take it from us, man. Take it from Josh Paschal. Kentucky's a senior leader on the defensive line there. He is getting wowed by what he's seeing from Wondell Robinson in practice. Hey, Josh, uh, we don't get to see practice, and, of course, the spring game got canceled. What are your thoughts on on that? And specifically, what are some of the things in practice that you would like us to know about that we haven't been able to see? Um, What would I like to – I'll probably say something that – I want y'all to know is that Wondell Robinson is a great football player. He's he's going to be the truth. Um, I believe that uh, he's a humble guy. Um, I, my lock is right next to him, so I talk to him a lot. And he, today he had, excuse my language, but he had a hell of a play today. Uh, he jumped up between two defenders and caught a post, and I was, I was like, wow. It was like nothing. It was it was. I was like, look, he made a play. Let's go to the next because he's going to be a special player for sure. All right, so there you have it. I mean, the hype continues to grow. This is probably the most disappointing thing. Well, aside from seeing the offense overall, 
getting to see Wondell Robinson in the blue and white on the field. We're going to have to wait a long, long time until September to actually get it. Wish we were getting it this spring. But, uh, man, the more I hear about this kid, the more I like it. And this is going to make this offense go. They're going to need those dangerous receivers, particularly out of the slot, maybe out of the backfield. I mean, he did it both in Nebraska, but uh, with Kentucky's depth at running back, I would assume he's going to be a lot more. He's going to be used almost exclusively as a receiver. But, yeah, I'm sure they're going to have him on all kinds of screens and jet sweeps and things of that nature. So he's going to be touching the ball probably as much as Chris Rodriguez, just obviously in a, in a lot different manner on the field for the Wildcats next season. All right, guys, so that's all I've got on this episode. Wanted to give you guys one more show before we hit home, when we get all into the weekend, finish your work week strong, your commute, what have you. We're listening over the weekend, but I hope you can hear it, my voice, man. I'm just fired up. So many spring practices going around the SEC. Content galore. I love it. Because I just think here in a couple weeks, it's going to be damn quiet. (laughs) It's going to be nothing but crickets out there. So trying to give you guys the content when it comes to my doorstep here. Hope you guys appreciated this one. And if you did, you made it this far, didn't tune out with uh, Cousin Shane not not along for the ride, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. Send that on over to that SEC podcast at gmail.com and I'm happy to send you a beer koozie of your choice just for doing that that's just our way of saying thanks but that's going to do it have a great weekend everybody catch you on the next one